Hello and welcome to the Mullet Over podcast with the Dr. Richard Mull. Mullet Over. How do you feel if I call you doctor from now on? Doctor. Do you feel like I'm making fun of you if I called you doctor? No, it's it's interesting because I have different people that feel compelled to say that. It's not a title that I usually throw around. And Paul like showed kind of disdain for some of his titles that he had accumulated at the same time. He knew when to pull that card out. So acknowledging that I have a doctorate is is beneficial because for some people, they don't believe you're credible unless you have degrees and stuff like that. I don't believe in God's eyes that that establishes credibility. Makes you better. Doesn't make you smarter. I, I do believe that people that have doctorates have a level of intelligence and, and a work ethic to get there. But I also know a lot of people that don't have degrees that are brilliant. Um, and and so it's not one, you know, one is a certificate that says you're intelligent. I think we're going to have to make the podcast with Dr. Richard Mull. Dr. Mull it over with Dr. Richard Mull. Mull it over. People what will, does mull it over mean? It means like to ponder, to like think about, or to like, you know. That's good. We want people to think. Yeah. <laughs> think about lots of different things. That's what we're doing. We're talking about. We're pondering different things. We're mulling mm-hmm. it over. And so if if we have a doctor on the podcast, it's got to have more, right, credibility. Absolutely. Versus me, someone who has an associate's degree from community college <laughs> in nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but you are usually the head of most of your classes when you go to- I had community college for an associate's <laughs> degree, which is like- And at homeschool too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were number one I in was... your class. <laughs> I was valedictorian <laughs> of my home, my graduating year. That's hilarious. Yes. Thank you so much for that. You were very gifted. You're incredibly intelligent. In, in my homeschool yes. community. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk today about what happened with the Grammys. So I had kind of seen, you know. Your Grammy or my Grammy? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, we might need to start the podcast over a third time. <laughs> we started this podcast like 20 minutes ago and I forgot to hit record. And so I think we need to do it again after that joke. That's just <laughs> your Grammy, mine. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so we watched the performance from uh, Sam Smith and the lady whose name escapes us. Yeah, I don't remember what her name was. And uh, then we, you know, watched Maverick City Music, how they received their reward, <clears throat> read some of the tweets from some of the different pastors and leaders that kind of went viral and we're going to kind of talk about how we would handle that so first off what what are some of your first thoughts after that what did you think about the performance like uh watching the performance um that uh the duo it was sad sickening um the glorification of darkness uh, and evil uh, that has become so prevalent and acceptable and normal I, I, because I don't watch that kind of music. Um, and I don't, I, I, most of my exposure, I remember when we were in Africa and I'm watching I remember that, MTV yeah. and restaurants and we were at a, we were doing a Christian interview at a radio yep, station and I'm watching wrecking ball and Rihanna. I'm watching Rihanna. I'm watching several of these videos that I had never seen before yeah, going like, they're playing that in the room while we're doing a Christian yeah. interview, just like this equipment like this. And we're talking about um, healing services, revival services there in Africa. And I was like, God, I repent for what America is bringing to the world because that is wicked And there. And it got more exposure than the kingdom work that we were about in, you know, in terms of yeah. like to play in restaurants and to play, it, why was it playing in the background at a Christian radio program? It's just what we I don't on, know. Everywhere we went, it's yeah. just what you know, Hollywood was just going yeah. everywhere. It was normal. So okay, so you, you thought it was awful. Uh, what do you think about Maverick City Music? They they got five Grammys. What's your favorite song? We didn't see a whole lot. It's Roar. I actually called it Lion last time because I was like, I don't remember the name of it because because <laughs> I love music and but I'm not often like just paying that much attention yeah. to who's singing what. But I love Roar and I remember hearing it for the first time and falling in love with it. Like almost from the instant that the song began, I was like, What is this song? Who is this? And I'm going to find this when I leave here. I was ministering in uh, Columbine, which was pretty significant because that was 
when we launched the 40 day revolution, oh, it was okay. followed by the shootings at Columbine in Littleton, Colorado. Okay. And, uh, and I happened to be ministering in Littleton, Colorado for the first time ever, 20 plus years from the day that we had launched the 40 day revolution. Does that make you feel old? There's different things that try to make me feel old, but no, <laughs> I am fighting that big time. Oh my goodness. I feel so amazing. I'm finished, just finished today, a 40 day fast. And I'm like, no aches and pains, like anywhere. Um, doing stuff, working at your house. Congratulations. Amazing Thank you. place. Thank you. And, uh, and I'm like scrubbing baseboards. I'm on all four. And I'm like going, like, I feel like I did in my twenties. Um, just crawling around, jumping up. I like, I hear you kind of moaning and groaning afterwards oh. and how tired you are. And the next day, and I'm like, I'm not feeling that. And I Throwing do believe me that, under the bus. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, but it's, it's, you are that age. When I was that age, I probably felt as tired, but I, there is something powerful about fasting. I know that's not what this show is about today, well, we but talk I, about it. but I am telling you like what I feel physically is incredible. Now I just ate. It's because 40 days is up. You know, I had first meat in 40 days. Um, and what uh, meat did you I have? had my first coffee. Um, it was Lilibeth's oh, um, yes. leftovers. So oh, my gosh. Lilibeth we were talking about birthrights. And um, <laughs> you would trade it for that meal. <laughs> and we were like, that's hilarious. <laughs> yesterday, I was like, we all would have traded our birthrights that's for some of so true. Some of Lilibeth's food. She was like, yes, I would own all of your birthrights. Because I was like, if you I'm, don't know who Lilibeth is, she's on our team. Her husband, Matt, is one of our prayer ministers here at OLF. And she's a gifted artist. If you've you know seen any of our banquets or stuff, she, she, she paints and does stuff. But she cooks for us Tuesday through Thursday. And so, yeah, she, she says she's saving my life because I used to eat Taco Bell Tuesday through Thursday for lunch. And so she's saying that she's <laughs> saving my life, which is pretty accurate. All right. So how should Christians treat what happened at the Grammys? How would you respond if you were... How about that? Yeah, if you just won an award for at the Grammys and that had just happened, would you go to the Grammys to accept your award? Would you say this is, you know, too demonic of Hollywood's too demonic, call it all out? When you go up on stage, would you, you know, call it everybody? What would you do? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know exactly what I would do because I'm not faced with that challenge. And so first thing I would do as a Christian, I believe, is we're not to judge what other people do because a lot of times we don't have information about what went on. We don't have information about what Maverick city knew or didn't know going in, or even when they walked up on stage, we don't know if they were in the green room and, and missed the performance, missed the performance, you know, plus they didn't have a lot of time to prepare. So anybody that's judging them, I think, I think that's out of line. I do. I liked when we, when we read Sean Fuchs response, we need, um, Christian musicians that are in the limelight to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to to stand and and make to make a stand. You know, um, what does that look like? It might look different for you. It would look different from for you to me. And a lot of times, I'm going. I, I want maybe you to respond a little bit differently than than yeah. you do respond. But I also have a high regard for you. I know your heart, and yeah. and so we're gonna you know, we, we have different viewpoints, you yeah. know, and I'm like, so I, would you go to the Grammys? Would you receive their reward? Uh, I'd have to pray about that because first of all, Jesus didn't do anything of his own initiative. He only did what he saw the father do. And yeah. so I would ask You'd be the Lord. To God, yeah. And, and if he said, don't go, I don't care how much firestorm that brought on me yeah. um, or what it looked like. I would obey him mm -hmm. and, and I would be as vocal. Well, no, let me tell you, I want to be as vocal as, but I know that there's things the Lord has told me he wants me to talk about that I'm going, I don't want to, I don't want to jump into the firestorm. Yeah. Um, I watch Christians chew each other up and, 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 and judge. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's sad. Like, yeah. and, and there are things I believe God is, has told me, call this out, this, the, the spiritual leaders, and I'm like, going, I don't think they want to hear you, Lord. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to say what, what, yeah, yeah. what you want me to say. So I, I just to be real, I, I would probably more be apt to avoid and be minimally controversial than yeah. I would be to be 
yeah. as outspoken because that makes sense. I, I'm like, I, I personally <clears throat> loved what Maverick City Music did. They went up there and they made it about Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, they talked about how it was in prophetic worship, how if you have fear, turn to the Lord. Like they were like, it was an invitation to Jesus. And so for a night where a lot of things were being glorified that were not of God, they came and they were a voice that said, you know, there's hope if you're afraid, God's real. And, you know, even just like, I, I didn't watch, obviously, the I, nobody watches the Grammys, I don't think. But if Sean Fugue got an award there I wonder and he, he did something different, Ooh. I would, I might champion both of those yeah, responses. That's a good point. Like, because, you, you know, God has different, you know, he uses I, different people for different things and different. I situations. do watch Christians respond in ways that I think are wrong, yeah. that are milk toast, you know, at best, which they're mediocre, they're lukewarm. Uh -huh. And God says he would spew that out of his mouth. And I watch them say things that I go, that's more a goat than a sheep, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I don't feel like God's called me to be the police of all that. Yeah. Sometimes I believe he wants us to speak out and I, and I try to respond positively to the Lord's calling. Yeah. <laughs> and there are times I'm like, please pick someone else. Lord, yeah. take, send my brother Aaron, you know, and I'm just being real. Yeah. Okay, so what what role should Christians have in policing Hollywood? I first of all, all would one hundred percent say that God's not called anybody necessarily to the job of policing Hollywood. Okay, um, because so my Facebook feed should not be all the things wrong with Hollywood, and I believe that God may call someone to expose Hollywood. Okay, part of making disciples is teaching; it's discerning. It is, and so there is a place for exposing okay. darkness. Um, we were talking about this, and and uh, I, I I see um, first example in the New Testament because a lot of people are like, well, that was Old Testament. In the New Testament, you know, dealing with the occult because we don't see Jesus interacting a lot with the occult, but his disciples had to at yeah. times, and and they were called apostles. So you got Peter who is in a religious environment. It's they've baptized people in the Holy spirit. Uh -huh. I don't know exactly all of the context if there's believers in, well, but you got Simon present, Simon, who's a sorcerer. Is he at a church meeting? Is it a public square? I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's, it seems like it was, you know, it was a gathering yeah. of people, you know, to hear. And he was like, wow. And this is, I believe, an indictment on our church now because he saw power that in, in the occult world doesn't see power in the church. I know I've dealt with them. Now, they it's interesting because they go, we avoided when we saw people that operated in power, that intimidated us. But going to church did not intimidate us. We go to churches. People that are involved in the occult, they're like, we get active in churches. Um, it, and it empowers our beliefs that Satan is more powerful until we run into the believers that walk, operate in authority. And there was a lot more of that, I believe, in the early church. So here's Peter, one of those that's operating in kingdom authority, and darkness is intimidated. And Simon goes, I want to pay for, for the ability have, yeah. to do what you have. And he was like, ready to, like, you're going to rot and your money's going to rot yeah. with you for thinking you can buy this yep. anointing. Yep. And then Elymas, a little bit later, both in the book of Acts, um, it's in front of King Agrippa. So it's a public forum. King Agrippa's um, seeking understanding about the Council. way and 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 stuff like he's trying to make decisions. Would and Elymas is interrupting. Would you say that he was mulling it over? He was. <laughs> and, and and but and you've got the an, an advisor who is a, a is a sorcerer present who's interrupting. And throwing, putting in his two cents, and Paul's had enough of that. And he calls it out. He's like, you are always perverting the truth. You will be blind until you repent. Something, I don't, I'm not quoting it exactly, but, but he was struck with blindness. And it says it was by the Holy Spirit that Paul did that. So Paul was doing what the Holy Spirit told him to do. Call this out and strike him with blindness. Yeah. I don't think Paul would have just, he didn't just go around striking people with blindness. He that. didn't feel called to go after the occultists and strike him with blindness. But in this context, it was like, this is what the Lord wants yeah. you to do. And it was a demonstration, I think, for King Agrippa. Okay, Elmas, what's your retort? You're yeah. going to do something back to Paul? He had no retort, yeah. except to try to find someone who could lead him 
wherever he had to go next, like the bathroom or anywhere. Um, and, and he was aware that my prayer for people that are tied in with the occult, cause we come under spiritual assault and we, and I know, like I a hundred percent know that occultists are targeting us at different times. I'm not going to explain why, but I know that that's happening at times. And, um, and I, my prayer is based upon my understanding of scripture, God, let them know that they are messing with the wrong person, that, the, that, that your kingdom is greater than their kingdom. Have you ever prayed that someone goes blind? I, I, I pray for God's mercy, but whatever curses they're trying to put on us yeah. would come back on them till they stop trying to put curses on my wife, my children, yeah. our household, the, our ministry. My favorite story is, uh, I don't remember what her name was. There is one. Yeah. Try to remember who it was. Probably shouldn't say names. Yeah, I was thinking so, that. <laughs> there was somebody whose name I don't remember, and we'll have to beep that out. Uh, but she, um, her brother was being cursed by a sorcerer at, you know, he said he was a sorcerer, and this is this is like uh, 2020, um, at his uh, job, and he worked in a warehouse. And so she got this book, and it was like, what to pray if there's like people putting curses on, you know, you or your family. And so she prays it over her brother to protect him, because this guy, like multiple people at their warehouse had gotten hurt or died, if I remember correctly when he had done different curses. So her brother was like really scared. So she prays over this guy, <laughs> over her brother. And the guy ends up getting hit by a bus and coming to know Jesus because he goes, this is the first time that a power was stronger than mine. And the curse that I put on your brother came back and got me. And so, and he came to know Jesus. So that's like acts. And I believe that I will have people that come to me and tell me those stories because I've prayed those type yeah, of yeah. prayers. And I don't care. I don't want anybody to be hit by a bus. Okay. bus. But if you're cursing me with that, I pray that they live through anything like that, that it's, that it's in, that God shows mercy in it. All right. I got a question. Yeah. If God told you to go on stage at the Grammys and curse Sam Smith with blindness, what would you do? I, I just being real. I, um, sometimes ask God to confirm his will more times than I, um, should. And, um, even after, like I know his voice. Sometimes I, as much as I operate in boldness and people think I'm like too outspoken and things like that, the number of times God tells me to do stuff that I don't do it is more than the times that I do follow through. Really more. You'd say oh, more. Yeah. I, yeah, there's That's no way lot. to quantify that. Cause there's, there are there's still small voice all day, every day talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He is so gracious and so patient. He trusts and trusts. The more you listen to his voice, I believe the more he entrusts with you. Yeah. And there are times that that voice goes silent and he's usually that's, that is to me the, the hardest thing to experience because that's when I go, what am I not doing or what am yeah. I doing? You yeah. know? And, um, because, you know, and the Lord's usually like, I've been telling you and for me, the first time was you're supposed to write a book. And I was like, great idea. Yeah. I'd love to do that sometime. Richard. Right now. Right. <laughs> like, book, go ahead you know, until it was like, you're not obeying me. And I knew what he was talking about. And part of it, it was just so overwhelming. It was intimidating. How do we write a book? I don't know how to write a book. Yeah. No, I love writing books. It's not as overwhelming and, and it, it, but the intimidation, the fear factor mm -hmm. of doing that when I hate English and I hate writing assignments was, was bigger yeah. than my uh, desire to obey God, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. So Christians responds, you, to sum up your Christian, what you think Christians should respond. Some are called to expose things. Some are called to you know, speak life and, and be positive. It's not our job to judge, you know, as long as your people are trying to submit, uh, there are people who are just lukewarm and are just not doing what they think God calls. And so I think there are people that are doing the right thing, but their character is not strong enough to do it. Well, what, what do you mean? There are people that confront okay, and, and they're bold and they're bolder than I am. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's a gift and a calling, but they don't do it well. They don't do it with love. Um, they're they're always going to be turning over tables mm -hmm. and calling out money changers when when career, sometimes Jesus career table turners yeah you know and and it's like and there was a day for that with Jesus yeah 
and he didn't get he didn't pride himself on that yeah. he didn't he, he wept over the same city mm-hmm. that he did that in and and so that i i, I you know the, we're all striving to be like jesus yeah. sometimes being as meek as a lamb is not being like jesus yeah it's time to roar mm-hmm. and so and and sometimes he wants one person to roar and another person, like I think Paul and Silas, their response to, I mean, Paul and Barnabas, their response to John Mark, both might've been led by the spirit. Paul's like, you don't, you're not faithful. You don't follow through. I'm done with, I can't work with you anymore. Hey, come here, John Mark. Let me help you, yeah. you know? And D- didn't Paul eventually say he was wrong about? Um, I do. He did say he has become one of the biggest assets to me. I don't re- recall if, if it says that I was wrong about you okay. or it, you know, it, it's one of those things. And and so sometimes I was, I, we can be wrong, yeah, yeah. you know, and man, wow. It would be amazing to see in the body of Christ, people humble enough to admit they were wrong. Like, I don't, I don't see, I see people calling people out for stuff that then it's, greatly exposed that their stance was wrong. One of those that right now, I believe it's hard to get around is there've been people that were bold enough to call out the vaccination issue. Um, and, and the backlash from churches, Christian leaders who were going mainstream was huge. And there are people that are still going to differ on that, you know, and have different opinions. I have not seen one of the people that, reacted to people that were standing on a lot of evidence, you know, and trying to call it out and warn people, humble themselves and go, I was pushing these things. I was coming against people that operated in that. that that's just one of the arenas where I, I go, man, I would love. What do you think about what, <clears throat> so Chris Valentin, he said that he heard from God that uh, Donald Trump was going to win the election and he got a lot of exposure because he posted an apology. Yeah. You know. And and Jeremiah Johnson did the same. And many prophets did. And many prophets are like have changed their like and I'm like, that's I believe unhealthy. I don't believe that And and it, it doesn't to you, does it like validate more those two that they were willing to admit? Oh that- man, humility, admitting that we're wrong, mm-hmm. um, is such an amazing kingdom quality well, I mean, that we I, need more of. I think Paul talked about boasting in your weakness. Like he talked about how like, like if you try to make yourself all about your successes and all the things you do right, you distance yourself and you make it harder for believers and, or even unsaved to go, like you become unattainable, right? He's like, the more I boast in my weakness, the more people will go, if God can use you with all of your problems and your faults, I'm sure he can use me. Yeah. And so I, I think it's, I think it's amazing because it's, I think it's both in like, because I was just preaching from um, two passages beginning of the year, a couple places on fasting, helping launch some fasts. And, and it, it was interesting because it was not intentional, but it was Elijah and Moses. Elijah and Moses, we know more of miracle stories connected to their life than most people in the Bible. Both of them did 40 day fasts. That's unattainable for most people. Okay. Most people in their Christian life will not do that. And they were water only or dry. Did Moses do a dry fast? Many people believe that they were both dry. Oh, that's insane. Um, and uh, I think that is I think, unattainable. I think Moses, it was stated. Uh, yeah, Elijah's, think, it wasn't as clear, but the word fast in the Old Testament means to cover your mouth and allow nothing inside. So yeah. it's like, so the, a dry fast means no water, no food. And so, um, and Daniel didn't call what he did to fast. We no, call it a Daniel we call fast, it a fast, but that's not, but he didn't even call it that. We're going to have to have a fasting <laughs> podcast next week. Next <laughs> week will be a fasting podcast and something else. But it was interesting because in both of those, what the Lord, Lord is showing me different things. Cause I was in a tough emotional place while I'm preaching these messages. And the Lord told me yeah. to get real about that because I could identify with, with, um, Moses, it wasn't, it was way before his fast. It was at his calling mm-hmm. that he gave all these excuses to God. Mm. And, and, uh, and God was opposing him to the point of actually going to kill him because he hadn't circumcised his son, which was clearly stated. And he was, here he was going to fight the, uh, the spiritual battle 
in Egypt and he hadn't obeyed God in that. He was obeying. He had gotten past all of the excuses. God had addressed all of those and he was going and, and uh, the Lord opposed him. And so it was like, we give God all kinds of excuses and, and I, and the, and the Lord is convicting me of excuses that I've been giving him. And then, and then there was Elijah who was God. I wish I had never been born. Just take my life. I'm the only prophet that's left. This was after incredible victories. Like we love to tell the stories, yeah. especially I'm in assemblies of God church. You got to tell the victories and you got to, you know, oh, yeah. I'm like, I, build faith. I'm, this was, I'm picking, I'm picking the part of the story that we want to skip over, but it was real. And the people who wrote those stories, you know who they were? Themselves. Moses Moses. had to tell, he was the one that wrote it. Elijah didn't necessarily write it, but how is anybody going to know? Because it was all in private. Well, Moses was the humblest person that ever lived. So, And he wrote that. (laughs) Just accurate, I mean. It is. I don't think it'd be in the Bible if it wasn't true. And and that's just an amazing thing, that part of humility was able to acknowledge God, God has told me I'm one of the humblest people of all. Like, and he wants me to write that. Like that's either blindness, yeah, I, arrogance, or or it's abject humility. If you want me to write that, I will put that in. Abject humility. See, if you if you teach too much about abject humility, you're gonna have a lot of people who think they're abject, objectively <laughs> humble. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Do did, did we finish talking about the Grammys? Is there anything else we gotta say about the Grammys? I no. I mean, I do. One of the things is. I have a question. What does that do to someone if they watch that performance? What do you believe that does to someone? Is that like wow? That's a whole like huge topic because there's stuff that we. uh, I think it's too early for us because I believe there are people that are hugely triggered and impacted. I'm trying to use words that are very safe by a performance like that. It's very intentional that they are being triggered. Okay. Uh, okay, But that's okay. Let's take out, let's take out those. Someone who's just good old Baptist grew up their whole life in church. What does that do to someone? Does that open a door to watch that? I, I believe that it does. What kind of, I believe what, that it what can. happens? What happens? What well, kind of door? Like, what are we talking? First of all, like, wow. Cause we have, a, I have so much experience in this arena where somebody got demonized playing a video game. Okay. So w- someone got we demonized. Just, we just watched, we just watched it. Do we need to pray and repent or what do we got to do? I do believe that, that, that we can be, we are, first of all, can be protected but I believe that if we have open doors, um, there's that, a difference between like walking in spiritual authority and observing something. And there's a difference between engaging and inviting and wanting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I first of all, I, I like, I don't struggle with lust in the ways that I have historically. Right. And there was a high level of, inappropriately, of dressed, yeah, in, inappropriately dressed the the words were incredibly success suggestive yeah and if i had any level of stronghold in that arena i would be battling now with my thought life mm. um in ways that i i just don't because i'm protected um i i believe i could read harry potter and it not affect me i've also cast a lot of demons out of christian kids who got demonic spirits by reading Harry Potter or by playing a video game. I wouldn't play those video games. I might watch something about them only if the Lord wanted me to, because I don't see a purpose in playing. I know more about video games because people coming who are people who said we watched this entity jump onto the TV and into me. I need help. I have not, you know, I mean like, okay. What about people who, they don't have nightmares. They don't have night terrors. They don't manifest demons. Everything in their life is going great. Because we, the people who come to OLF are the people who, I can't tell anyone this because I see demons, they manifest, I have nightmares, night terrors, you know, we got like the kind of stuff that you watch in horror movies, they experience in their life, they come here. What about the people? Because like, Mm-hmm. I mean, like most people who went to school had to read Harry Potter, yeah, right. Like that's like a thing. And there's a lot of people who aren't experiencing that kind of stuff, right? Uh, how much have they been influenced is a is a great a whole nother discussion. But I will tell you that for us, 
the beginning of the awareness of the of the presence of the demonic in our own household started when I was doing an extended fast and I said, God, I want to, I want to know the stuff you taught your disciples and you yourself were seeing things in our house. Your mom were seeing things in our house. And now that I know at the time, I didn't even know how to hear God's voice. Now I know it was God speaking to me. You back up and this will subside but it's not going away. Yeah. It was in our house, so, our house that so did not have. Think, so you think there's a lot of people who have open doorways that aren't being triggered kind of to a degree. Yeah. The, the enemy they're loves not to a, stay hidden. They're not a threat to the enemy. So the, okay, but here's my thing. If the, the enemy just hates us, right? He just yeah. wants to torture us. Why, if he has the ability to do that, why wouldn't he? He does. No, but I'm saying like, okay, you're saying like, if we're not a threat, um, he's, he, he's operating hidden. Like I believe that our, our kids, you and and would be in a different place today if I hadn't learned the things that God took me on a journey to learn. Um, because we would have allowed all those open doorways. We would have the the demonic presence would have been, and we would have been scratching our heads ten, fifteen years down the road. What happened to our kids? You know, um, possibly. I don't know. I believe that learning how to cleanse our house. I remember the night that we got rid of stuff in our house that I watched you behave in ways I had never seen you behave before you were running up and down furniture. You were freaking out in a way that we had never, it seemed like it was more about money because we were getting rid of some things that maybe you wanted. I don't know because I, I had never seen you act that way. When we carried the last thing out, you got calm and you came and you like cuddled with us. And it was like, I could feel the presence. Like there was like a breeze in the house is the only way I can describe it. Like, like the Holy spirit. And it was like, there is something in our house that I'm not, but it was, it was good. I remember you guys even growing in discernment where we were going, man, there is something going on in our house. And we were like, let's pray and ask the Lord. And you guys would go running to your room and go, I have to get rid of this. I have to get rid of that. And it was like, what? Some of those things were even yeah. things that I was like, and because you were learning. Okay. What about the people who <clears throat> don't experience any of that? They don't feel the presence. They don't see things. They have no spirit. They don't ever, you know. They see no spiritual realm. Um, first of all, I believe that in the West, that's pretty normal. We are, are our belief system doesn't incorporate that. I believe that like today we had a phone call. You were you were in the car, and these people I don't think had had much history. Their child was just dealing with autism. Yeah, yeah. You know, just normal stuff. When they began to deal with spiritual stuff, they experienced things that they that made the autism seem like nothing. And, and I, and I just said, I don't have to convince you. I don't have to spend any in, in, you know, time convincing you that this was spiritual. And he's like, Oh no, 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 no. Like, because when they had addressed things that they didn't think were spiritual with spiritual weapons, that's when they kind of, it became all a little bit of all hell breaks loose because it was like, but it wasn't like hell wasn't so there. Are you trying to convince us that we should just leave it alone and it won't get worse? Um, I, I believe that the opposite is true. Okay. I believe that the, the the reality of the spirit realm is something that God needs to shake us with. And um, it's something we need to talk about, something we need to understand, we need to overcome. The fact that we don't believe that it's there. I remember having a pastor that tried to convince me for years that all that I was saying was hogwash and that Christians can't have demons and, and, but, but the evidence that he couldn't, he had to wrestle with is when I watched their kids, they didn't have night terrors, didn't have nightmares. The nights that I wasn't there every night, they had that stuff. When his wife was manifesting demons and we cast those out, his belief system changed drastically. <laughs> he didn't believe any of that that was going on in their house was spiritual. He was like, we're Christians. God, he even believed we have authority, that none of this can touch our house. Yeah, yeah. But, and and it didn't matter what was going on. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter how many scriptures I gave him. He, he It didn't shift them at all. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're saying that... <clears throat> even if you're not manifesting, it doesn't look like in the movies, there are certain things that you've called other things. What are some things that are spiritual that people call other things? 
you have any examples? Um, Something that is spiritual, like. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of illness has spiritual roots and people are trying to address it just with medicine, with doctors. There's a high percentage of, of psychological things that are getting a lot of drugs. Even Christian counseling centers are going to get them with the psychiatrist as quickly as they can get them on some kind of drugs that we see people completely healed from um, and and have over the years seen pretty dramatic results. Um, and we, we have people who still receive government funds because it's incurable things that they can't be cured from, but so they, they are, have been, but they're cured of them. Yeah. So. And, um, and so, um, you know, I, my, I actually have this smile that I don't know if it's always visible, but inside, like when someone has something that's incurable, because yeah. like, man, this is a chance for God's glory because yeah. a man says there's nothing there's that no, can be done. There's no, this. no, no, nobody else can get glory for that. So, so in that arena, yeah. I believe that there are like, even in our life, we, we hit a wall. We've been trying to raise funds and we've been doing everything. We, we hired people that are experts to help us do this. And, and, you know, we could talk about what our shortcomings were in yeah. that whole process, but it felt like a brick wall that we were hitting hard. And then the Lord tells me to go to North Carolina and deal with spiritual roots. And, and it, and it definitely appears like everything just changes <laughs> overnight. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about that, you have to go back to the previous first podcast. and second pot. And, yeah, yeah. and so uh, even if, if people had told me that it was generational curse, that would be frustrating because I'm like, I feel like I've dealt with all that. Show me something. The Lord took yeah. me by the hand and showed me. And it, it wasn't, there were some new things that were pretty significant that I can't wait to see the fruit of. One of those was like damaged relationships. There was a generational curse that affected relationships. And I've watched relationships break. And that for what seemed like no reason, I had forefathers that cut off people on relationship. And I'm like, that I have what witnessed in reverse many times. And now I'm going, God, would that, could that curse stop yeah. because of this? Um, and, and I don't know, I don't have evidence yet to prove that that has done, yeah. but time will tell. I think you already broke it because I, I like keep most of my friends. I like most of my friends. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I God's up to some amazing stuff. And, and when we, when we recognize there are angels and there are demons and it's all around us. Should, should believers be hyper vigilant? Should we be thinking everything's a demon and super scared? And like, how, how do we approach that in a healthy way? Cause I think it's, I, I watch people go from, there is no demons to everything is a demon. And mm -hmm. like, you know, we walk in just a physical world too. I, I if I sneeze the wrong way or if I if I sit in the wrong direction and you know yeah. unfortunately I actually believe close it's well over 90%. I would I, I'd venture to say closer and of course you know percentages there's no scientific sure. model for it. But in in the west in America don't acknowledge recognize or have any clue how to deal with the spirit realm with the demonic. Yeah. I believe the percentage that take it too far. I believe a hundred percent of people or, or close to a hundred percent of people that jump into really jump into deliverance as a new thing will swing on a pendulum at, to some yeah. degree. Okay. Uh, because you're going to watch something that works powerfully. Yeah. And then, and then it takes a little bit of time to, to come back to balance. And some people never do. Some people, once they get a key, it's the only thing. So, so, but I believe that it's way more important for us to disciple people in the stuff that Jesus did and taught. Yeah. And so Jesus did it on a regular basis. I don't see hardly any Christians dealing with it on a regular basis. Ones that do seldom get to real maturity, I think, in it. Um, uh, no, there's a lot of people that get to maturity in it because uh, I deal with ministries around the country. Anybody that that hangs in long enough is going to mature. That doesn't mean that there aren't people that have been off base that are off base yeah. that may never come back yeah. to healthy because there's a lot of that out there, but a lot of them that are true seekers are, are growing and because they're disciples, they're yeah. real disciples. But, um, but there's much greater need for people to start on that journey and not be afraid of. I, I like the, like you said, being disciple because I feel like, it's less like it's not a formula. There's not like 
I mean, like there are some things that are like, you know, you don't have to like, this is like openly occultic, openly the Bible would, you know, is pretty clear on, you know, don't be involved in. But I think, I think it's more important being able to hear God's voice on, you know, for you and your household, serving the Lord, what you want to bring in, what you don't want to bring in and make it a less real, like religious to a degree. I think people can go, I hate when they make spiritual warfare, religious warfare. It's not like, it's not listening to God. It's not having authority. It's about if I do all of the right things, then I'm untouchable, which is like, I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't like that personally. I can't picture that in a person right now. Um, maybe it's, you know, how you're describing, I don't know, but I've seen a, I, because the need is for discipleship. Like in the, if you know the stuff Jesus taught his disciples, yeah. Then our institutions, if we were making disciples in our institutions, then we'd be, we'd have this a whole lot more under control. When you say institutions, you mean Bible college, Bible colleges. Yeah. I think even like what we call, what we call churches, I think oftentimes are institutions. Mm, okay. That's a good word. Because they're, they don't line up exactly with what Jesus. Now that's what I'm saying right now freaks a lot of people out because we're like, we're called to church planting. Right. I, I, my degrees right. in church planting. Right, right, right. I've been a key player in a lot of church plants. Right. So, but, but I believe a lot of times because my journey of discipleship, the Lord said, you can't do what you're doing and begin my journey of discipleship. Right, right, right. The model Jesus showed for discipleship was you 12 follow me. I pour into you all day, every day for three years. That's a different level of discipleship than you know, people who go to Bible college, it's sort of kind of like that. You know, you go for a four-year degree, you know, unless you get your master's in divinity. But the stuff that he, well, he sent his disciples doctorate. out. So if, if we just use Jesus as a model, uh -huh. he sent 12 teenage boys out um, and he said, cast out evil spirits. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Preach the kingdom of God. Raise the dead. Um, Do greater know. things than I did. Don't take money with you. In one case, in another case, he kick, said, "Take your bag with you." Kick the dust off your feet. Yeah, and and so if we just used his curriculum, it would be a very. Uh, can you imagine what the church the? That's not a full curriculum. No, no, no. We we just yeah. highlighted a few of the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Sermon on the Mount would be part of a textbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unpacking that, really grasping that, you know, um, would be you'd have students studying all the miracles that Jesus did because he did them. And then he sent his followers out to do them and they continue to do them. The book of Acts is full of it. Paul gives some of the most powerful content about what believers are supposed to do um, and, and what they're supposed to understand about who they are. And his life reflected it, you know, to the point where he could send out handkerchiefs, you know, that he had prayed mm -hmm. over and, and people were healed. So, um, you know, did extraordinary. How miracles. many apostles were there in the Bible? Great question. No, I the know the answer that 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 people throw out is twelve. I I have done enough research to know the number that were called that actually there we have a name for them. Okay, and I don't remember that number off the top of my head. It, I I think. <clears throat> I want to say it's it's seventeen or nineteen. Seventeen names. was the number that yeah. came to my mind. And then there's not... another. There's twenty five if you include the unnamed. There's yeah. there's like three times where it says the two apostles at your house. It doesn't say who they are, and it, yeah. you know it could have been you know yeah someone and, else, which kind of blows a lot of people's theology. Um, there's a lot of people that think there's no more apostles. Yeah, yeah. people. Every time there's someone a... says only the twelve apostles, I was like, what about the other five apostles? And they're like, what? I'm like. I mean, it just calls them apostles. They're like, I'm going to go study that and show you how that that's wrong. Yeah. I'm like, okay. The, the, two easiest me. To, the two easiest to mention are Matthias, who was picked well, by. They always, yeah, they include him and Paul. Those two are exceptions. Yeah. Everyone else. Yeah. And, um, but there are others that are named. We're not going to jump all the way into that, but the. That's for another podcast. <laughs> the, um, and then there are people that are calling themselves apostles, which is interesting because there's a real warning about that you know um and you're saying like nowadays people calling themselves apostles yeah well and and i believe that there is a place for a, for acknowledging that but i think what, it's what's still interesting a gift in the new oh, yeah, testament yeah it still mentions it but it but there were those that called themselves apostles in the new testament that they warned 
stay away from these super apostles who go around telling everybody they're apostles. So, you know, there, there is, um, there's a precedent both for false apostleship and for the real. There's a precedent for false prophets and the real. There are, there's precedent for false shepherds, pastors, and the real. And, um, and so we don't throw out any of the gifts because there are examples of both. Um, and we've gotten so far off from the Grammys. <laughs> Talk about the apostles. Yeah. You know what was in my mind and in my heart, which is, which is interesting because God took me on uh, the first two podcasts were about my, I have a little bit about my trip to North Carolina, but even before that, I had felt I had people telling me, Richard, you need to take spiritual mapping tours of Tampa again. Two people in like a matter of weeks time. And I was like, so after they said that, and I'm like going, yeah, but who would go and who's going to coordinate this? And and what's the purpose of it? I'm waking up in the morning going, I have to refresh myself, refresh my notes. And the Lord's giving me more download. I reconnect with Arthur Burke and, 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 and I felt like it was divine. Like there were some keys that I needed from him that, that helped complete this. Um, and then the Lord takes me to North Carolina to do some stuff, which now has fueled this. So this morning I wake up and I said, Lord, where do you want me to go? And open up to Isaiah 57. And I want to read that real quick because it was, it was, uh, interesting. Of course, my computer or my phone closes up. Um, while he pulls that up, um, you went fishing this week. Yes. You caught a bunch of fish. Yeah. Oh, it was because <laughs> of the, some of this stuff and I've been calling for the land. I was like, Lord, how much authority, how do we exercise uh-huh. an authority in this arena? And, uh, does that mean if you don't catch fish, you don't I, have spiritual authority? Uh, yeah. You no, know, well, Jesus, like oh. he, he, listen, said, I have prayed multiple times that my fish would have gold coins in it when I catch them. <laughs> that would they, see like fishing, like that would make fishing worth it for me. <laughs> I would go fishing if I caught fish with my year's taxes in its mouth. Uh, I, I, I don't have time. Like there are so much in the hole because there's two scriptures I want to share that just jumped out at me. I, and, the, and the Lord was showing me, like, I, I just look at Isaiah 57 this morning and, and, uh, and it talks about those that walk in righteousness and those that walk in unrighteousness. But he, he says, when you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. But the wind will carry them all away. A breath will take them. But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And I was like, like, come on. You picked a passage this morning that's going to have me possessing land because that's what the Lord just keeps speaking to me yeah. is about possessing the land, inheriting the land, yeah. and, and and him giving us the land. And there is so much in Isaiah 57. And then the Lord told me to go to um, – he's been speaking to me from this passage, and I knew I, I could quote it close to perfect but not perfect. But um, he was like, go to Romans 8. Look at it this um, again. So, um, here's what it says. Um, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, which shall be revealed in us. So there's a glory that's going to be, we're experiencing suffering now, Mm -hmm. but there's a glory that's going to be revealed in us. Do we go to heaven or, or on earth? For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Ha ha. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So creation is wanting sons of God to rise up. That's what I believe discipleship is all about. I believe that when sons of God arise, that we, and we walk in the fullness of our authority, that there will be greater miracles in the land. There will be healing in the land. So when the Lord took me back to North Carolina, he had me lay on the ground and I'm talking to the land and I'm like, I hadn't studied any of this stuff. I, I I don't remember hearing anybody talk about something like this, but I'm talking to the dirt and I'm saying, I am sorry 
for what you've had to endure, what you've had to witness because of what my forefathers did. We own slaves. We mistreated slaves. Some of their blood was spilled. Some of them, their lives were taken on, on these lands. And I, I don't, I, I wasn't there. We're yeah. talking close to 300 years ago, yeah. but we were the largest slave owners in the, in the area and largest landholders in the area. And I'm walking giant parcels of land, like 600 acres. I, we couldn't even cover it because we'd be crossing over so many people's properties, but I'm, I'm seeing a slave house on one of these. And, and, and it's just striking me. Some of the, the broken covenants, um, you know, murders and stuff like that happen on a land. And I'm like, Lord, I repent. Yeah. I forgive the native Americans that scalped some of my forefathers and killed them on this land. Um, I, I, you know, and, and, and creation is getting deliverance. We, we can, we can be a part of delivering the earth. I don't think most Christians have a grid for that. <laughs> I don't even know what you do with that. How do you preach that on Sunday morning? <clears throat> I, Home and deliver your land, your townhouse. It's pretty apartment. wild because I was just telling the story and, and I was sharing some of the scriptures, other scriptures than these, because there were curses broken off the land numerous times. There were curses that came on the land that were spoken over the land by, by patriarchs, you know, by, you know, kings. And then there were curses that, that were broken by, David, yeah, by different people um, off the land, um, and and so there there are those examples. And and when I was sharing what was happening, it was kind of blowing my mind. Like there's a leader, a group of leaders that were like set aside their whole meeting when I introduced myself and I said why I was in town. They're like, this is why we are here. There was a recognition. They were kind of apostolic business people and ministry leaders, not high up positional in churches, but other people recognize these are the people mm -hmm. that when stuff happens in the city because of them, even though they're intercessors or they're, they're other things. And they, they just, they were like going, this is one of the most significant things we've heard of in this region. I'm like, I feel like I'm on this secret assignment. I got pastors going, let me know when you're walking the land. I want to walk it with you. I want to pray it with you. And uh, so I spoke on Sunday morning and a decent percentage of the congregation came forward because they were going, there are generational curses in my life yeah. and in our family. And I want to, I want to begin the process of taking the steps. I want God to reveal to me where those are. And I want to put that under the blood and, and I led them in prayers and, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and we already witnessed not just in my life, but other people's lives that were there. Well, this guy, one of them wasn't even at that service. But he was like, because of how I was hanging out with you, because I was there when you were praying the land, this piece of property became available for us that we've prayed about for 20 years. And so, you know, I'm like, I I'm not claiming credit. I'm telling you what they said to me, but I'm going, do, do we have that kind of authority? Did I just exercise the authority of a son of God? And that's what brought $40,000 and the first offer on our property, um, you know, first people to look at it and say they want to make an offer came on the heels of that. And yeah. I'm like going, um, and, and generational unrighteousness had blocked that. So we, I believe that God's kingdom is bigger than our imaginations can grasp. That what, I agree with. Well, what we can do, I believe believers can change Hollywood. Hmm. I believe sons of God can change Hollywood. Do I know exactly? Hollywood. I do. Do I know exactly what that's supposed to look? I believe some of that will happen by people going up and praying at strategic places in Hollywood and repenting. You know, there are going to be sons of people that brought curses on the land mm -hmm. there that that may be led to go back. I believe it, that it can turn. I believe that that even a Hollywood or um, Nashville can be. Redeemed. transformed by right re, by revival yeah. i believe it needs to be amen I, I believe that what we are putting out as a nation is diabolical and and wicked i i believe there is amazing godly stuff that's coming as well and i believe that um for america to be saved there needs to be a great awakening that transforms 
our government that transforms our Amen. our entertainment Amen. that transforms our churches our churches man if sons of god came out of our churches and did the kingdom stuff and we all want to say oh, but we are we are we have this just to be real we i am capable of more than i have walked in and i know that i've walked in more than a lot of peers. And, and I don't mean that to boast. It, it is going, I want to find the people that have experienced more than me and learn from them. Yeah. Come on, men of God, yeah. be willing to be humble and say, I've got something to learn from someone who's encountering the kingdom of God, from someone who's seeing miracles. Don't feel intimidated by them. Yeah. Pursue them. Don't be afraid to have them in your church. Even if you don't have them in, in the pulpit because you're afraid of what they're going to say, meet with them. Listen to them. Don't try to control. Don't try to, to, to argue. Listen. I listen to people that I don't agree with, and I try to learn everything I can from them because they're, they're doing something I'm not yeah. able to do. Now, sometimes I, I check them off and I write them off because yeah. I'm going – they're new age or they're whatever, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to glean everything I can. I'm going to stay in it long enough to really discern. Mm, that's a good word. Staying in it long enough. I, one of the things I always tell people, I'm like, if, if at your new job, you got to bring Jesus with you, like Jesus comes back and he gets to come with you. I'm like, how long until that place is like completely transformed. If you got to bring Jesus into the school you go to or into your neighborhood, if Jesus moved in next door, what revival would happen? And then I'm like, that's who lives inside of you. That's what you're called to do. That's who, you, you know, he trained 12 people who turned the world right side up. Like today, we're experiencing what 12 people and Jesus did. Can I boast in our weakness? Yeah. Not to me, we will have a lot more experience and revelation in transforming like a neighborhood. We, we have the education. We've been around the people that do that. And we've witnessed firsthand when we are prayer walking our neighborhood, we see stuff happens that doesn't come. ever happen. Yep. How long has it been since we've done that? Prayer walked. I mean, when I take the kids to the park, me and them pray together, but it's, it's a little bit. I do a sometimes bit, a little bit. It's a little bit different when I was, cause Asher prays a little different than I do. Yeah. And I kind of let him lead. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but when we've been intentional about that in the same, we end, up, same. we end up people walking up to us. I, I will say this, even if we don't do it all the time, everyone in our <laughs> neighborhood knows us. Everyone knows what we believe and everyone talks about us. Like it's a light. We're a light there. Like, yeah. But but the light shines brighter when we're intentional. Yeah. When does. we apply what we know, absolutely. The sons of God absolutely. are being sons of God. Yeah. Our neighborhood knows it more. Yeah. And because we've been that are the Jehovah's Witnesses skip our house? They go around our house. I'm not making that up, am no, I? No, no. They actually cross the street before they walk by our house. <laughs> There's not a sidewalk on the other side of the street. There is not. They have to walk on people's grass. They yeah. park. I always want to go to like one of our neighbors and be like, "Hey, can I just sit in your house so when they come, I can talk to them?" Because <laughs> it's been too long since we've gotten a chance to talk to them. Yeah, they do mark houses because it happened in our old neighborhood and it happened here, and it doesn't take long before they go. We're avoiding that house. They avoid. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. I, I one last thing. Will you pray? Because there are some people who are probably listening, going like, "I watch bad things, or I listen to bad things, and I know, or I don't know, and I'm not sure, or I have nightmares, night terrors, and I'm tormented by the enemy, and I feel no hope." Can you just pray over everyone for you know the people who hear this and go, "This is all hogwash"? Then just you know pray for them too. Not, not, I might pray something a little different than what you're asking, oh no. but it's gonna, it's gonna. I apologize. Be about that. Go ahead. <laughs> God, there's sons of God and daughters of God listening to this who have never even grasped the significance mm. of who they are and what any of that means. Right now, those just sound like words. But God, I pray that a seed is planted that they will go, I want to be a son of God. I want to be that person that when they walk their neighborhood, 
the light begins to dispel the darkness. When they come to church, the darkness is not comfortable Amen. when I walk in there because the darkness has been comfortable in our churches in America for too long. And when a son of God comes in, they're usually asked to leave because the darkness reacts and they don't like those reactions. They want the darkness to be comfortable. They want everybody to be comfortable. So Father God, I Ooh. pray for a shakening Ooh. in our churches. I pray for a, a, a shaking in, uh, in, in, I pray that people that are even bothered by what we've said, Lord, will not be able to get it out of their minds. That, that, that Lord, it, it'll stir them to go, man, if it's possible to have a Christian life that makes a difference mm. that that where the darkness recognizes you like it recognized the apostles paul we know jesus we know but who are you Oof. father god in jesus name i pray that there would be a hunger for that type of christianity that type of encounter with you that that lord if they walk into hollywood hollywood starts to tremble Ooh. if they walk into a government office the office uh, the the kingdom of darkness in that office begins to tremble i pray father god that if it's if it's the restaurant that they are at lord that the kingdom of darkness is more influenced by them than they are influenced by the darkness come on all of creation is eagerly groaning for this prayer to be answered. The earth longs for sons of God to arise and walk in the fullness. Lord, let that happen in Jesus' name. Amen. And for everyone, Father God, right now, everyone who do, who on the opposite end of the spectrum, who isn't being living lukewarm, but is being tormented, God, we pray for deliverance now. Yes. We pray for hope now, Freedom. God. All, all fear, stress, anxiety, anything that was stirring up right now as they were doing this in the negative, God, we just take authority over that now, God. <sighs> we pray for peace to come over everyone, for hope to come over, God. I pray that as we're doing this, that God, you would give mm -hmm. them keys for deliverance, places to go, things to pray, people to talk to, God, that they would not be alone, they would not mm -hmm. be hopeless, and they would walk in truth. True and total freedom in Thank Jesus' you. name. Amen. Amen. If you liked this, share it, like, comment. You know, comment what other things you'd like us to talk about because I think we kind of talk about fasting. We'll probably talk about apostleship at some point, but uh, we'd love to hear what other things you guys have on your heart that you'd like to like to hear us talk about. All right. Thank you for joining.